I don't believe I've been brought this far to be left on the journey. When you feel like giving up, we have already read Acts chapter 18. And I will just continue to address us from that text today. When you feel like giving up. Brothers and sisters, along the Christian pathway, we very often experience moments of frustration. When we experience those moments, we have one of two options. Continue pursuing what we are doing or throw in the towel. Give up. Hang up your gloves. Our focus today is on the Apostle Paul who during his ministry embarked on missionary journeys, preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there were times when his message was appreciated and accepted, and at other times he came into conflict with the religious leaders and business people, people who felt they had something to lose because his teaching challenged their way of life and it also challenged their theology. And in today's chapter 18 of the book of Acts, we find Paul in Corinth during one of his journeys. He did three main journeys, and then there was his journey to Rome. But we find him today at a place called Corinth. It seems to have been Paul's deliberate policy to move purposefully from one strategic city to the next. Every time you see him somewhere, you see him popping up in these different cities and towns. And we may want to ask ourselves, what drew him to cities? What drew Paul to cities? Was probably that they contained the Jewish synagogues. He was always looking for somewhere to go to, to express what he knew, what was inside of him. You know, he was looking for the synagogues. He might have been also looking for the larger populations because in these cities you'd find larger populations and he would also find the influential leaders. So he was very strategic in his plans as he moved from place to place. But we need to have a closer look at Paul and probably you had in, had done that by one of the preachers before me. But repetition is good for us. So let's take a close look or another look at him and his early life and his conversion. Paul was born at a place called Tarsus. And he was both a Jew and a Roman citizen. And in Acts chapter 22 verse 3, we will find that. 
Paul also studied under the Jewish scholar Gamaliel at Jerusalem. So he was not stupid. He was a very educated man and well-versed in the law. But his um, passion for the law made him persecute the early Christians at Jerusalem. So, and we know that he was converted on one of his mission and his journey to go and persecute the Christians. He was converted through a vision of Christ on the road to Damascus. And all this we find in the book of Acts. If you read Acts chapter 8 and also Acts chapter 9, you will see what I'm talking about. And you've probably visited that already. So that's just something brief about Paul. So he had dual citizenship. But he also had years of preparation. Because you know when God is preparing you for something special, and God has a special mission for you to do, then he prepares you for it. This is how God works. So after his conversion, Paul worked with the Christians in Damascus. We find that in Acts chapter 9. And then he went to the desert regions of Arabia. And we find him talking about that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 17. And he went to Jerusalem. And opposition from the Jewish leaders drove him to Tarsus, which is in Acts chapter 9, where he apparently worked for about 10 years. So Paul was not idle. He believed in working and he also at the same time was telling the story of the good news of Jesus. So his early missionary work started with Barnabas. And here today, we see him at Corinth on one of his journey. So he started his early journey, missionary journeys with Barnabas. And then today we find him at a place called Corinth. Amen. So I'm just building a little bridge for us to cross over. <laughs> so Corinth. What, 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 what was this place like? Because he's here in chapter 18 in Corinth. Corinth at its zenith, at its peak, had nearly three quarters of a million people. For that day and time and age, that was a lot of people in one city. It had about three quarters of a million people. Corinth was a great commercial center. It was a world-famous emporium. It connected the trade routes in all directions. So you see how important a city Corinth was. It connected the trade routes in all directions, not only from north to south by land, but east to west by sea. So it connected all around. It had two ports. So it was the city of seafarers and merchants. So in Paul's time, that place, Corinth, was very important. And God had prepared him to come to this place. And can you imagine what was going on at Corinth when Paul got there? 
or what kind, what the trade that was going on in Corinth. Can you imagine its market? If you have a market in, in, in Wolverhampton uh, or market elsewhere, you know, you go there and people are very busy, aren't they? Very busy around the market. So you can imagine its market stock with cosmopolitan goods. There would have been Arabian balsam. There would be Egyptian papyrus. There would be Phoenician dates. There would be ivory from Libya, carpets from Babylon, etc. Can you imagine the trade that was taking place in Corinth? Paul must have seen its strategic importance and thought if trade could radiate from Corinth in all directions, so could the gospel. He was a visionary. Amen. He was a visionary. He thought if trade could happen here on such a large scale and radiate from here, then the gospel can also go from there. In Corinth, Poseidon, the Greek god of whom the Romans called Neptune, was worshipped at Corinth. So they didn't worship God as we know him. They worshipped Poseidon, Neptune. There is something we need to also understand about this city. It was into this city of wealth that Paul decided to present the gospel. So it was a wealthy city. And Paul decided to present the gospel here. So when you feel like giving up, <laughs> when you feel like nothing is happening for you, think of Paul coming to Corinth where people thought they had everything made and they had it going on for them. Paul came into this city. He knew of the challenges that he would face, but he dared to venture into Corinth, even though it was intimidating to preach Christ in such a city of pagan influence. It was intimidating to preach Christ in that city because we've just established that it was a wealthy city. And there are times when things intimidate us and want us to give up, but we must not give up, amen? We must push forward with the mission and the vision that God has placed in our heart. What was it about Corinth that necessitated his decision to preach only Christ? Paul says, I am here, but I'm preaching only Christ. Remember our theme today is when you feel like giving up. Paul says, it doesn't matter what confronts me in this city. It doesn't matter what I'm looking at in this city and the wealth that you possess. And you may be people of influence around the world, but I am not giving up. I've come here with one intention. I've come here with one goal. I've come here with one vision. I've come here with one dream, and that is to preach Christ. And I'm not going to backtrack. I'm not going to give up on what my intentions are. I am going to push forward. So what was it about Corinth that necessitated his decision to prescribe? It was the pride of the Corinthian people. Number one, the pride of the Corinthian people. Because they were intellectuals. They weren't dummies. 
They were well learned. They were also proud of their city, which Julius Caesar had rebuilt. Amen. They boasted of its wealth and culture. They had culture. Also of its political prestige as the capital of Achaia. So they had wealth, they had culture, they had political prestige, they had everything going for them. And us in 2023, if we are not careful, we will look on the people and the things around us in our communities and feel intimidated. But I'm saying like Paul, be persistent, be consistent and don't give up. Hold on and pursue what God has placed you here. Who knows that you're here? in Wolverhampton for a reason. Amen. You're not here by accident. You're here by the divine will of the Almighty God. So just in case you had forgotten, let me remind you, you're here by the divine will of the Almighty God. So don't be afraid. Amen. Don't be afraid and don't give up. Present Christ. Amen. Present Christ. You represent Christ. We are the Jesus that many people in Wolverhampton and surrounding communities will see. So it was the pride of the Corinthian people why Paul went there. You know, sometimes we become afraid because of where we are, who we are mixing with. But let me say to us today, don't allow fear to capture your mind and cramp your style. And paralyze you. Be brave. Secondly, it was this city. It wasn't only a city of educated people. It was not just a city of great wealth and political prestige. It had something awful going on in that city. It was associated with immorality. As great as the city was, behind the city, you see where it was situated, I said behind the city. Everything that the devil is going to do, he does it in the dark. Behind the city, nearly 2,000 feet above sea level was a rocky protrusion. And on its summit was the temple of Aphrodite or Venus. The goddess of love. At this place, a thousand female slaves served Aphrodite and roamed the city streets at night as sex workers. I know there are children in our audience, but it's a word that children are hearing about anywhere. So we could call Corinth. The vanity fair of the Roman world. So now we can see why the preaching of the cross would be a stumbling block in this city. Because what Paul was presenting to the people in Corinth was the exact opposite to what the gospel of Christ calls us to. Because the gospel of Christ calls us to a life of morality, a life of holiness. Amen. And I'm coming for the church today. 
I said the gospel of Christ calls us to a life of morality and it calls us to a life of holiness. And so what Paul was presenting in that city would be contrary to their belief system. They didn't want to hear it because it conflicted with what they believed and what they did. And can you imagine that those who profited from the trade of this immoral behavior, how affronted they would feel because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say the gospel of Jesus Christ when presented will cut across all our human understanding and it confronts us and points us to the way that is right. So it would become a stumbling block. So how did Paul fulfill his mission when he got to Corinth? Firstly, he linked up with like-minded people. Aquila and Priscilla, who were among the Jews expelled from Rome by Claudius. So he linked up with like-minded people. And Paul referred to them as fellow workers in Christ who had risked their lives for him. He referred to them as that in Romans chapter 16. And I say to us today in Wolverhampton, if we are going to fulfill our mission, and if we are not going to give up, amen, just ensure that we link to like-minded people. Simple. Link to like-minded people. People who are ambitious for God. People who have a heart to serve God. People who have a heart for service. People who stand for holiness. People who stand for righteousness. People who are not shirkers but workers. He linked up with like-minded people because the worst thing we could do is to be joined to people who are pulling that way and we are pulling the other way. You don't achieve anything because you are like you're in a tug of war being pulled to and fro but not really moving, not really getting anywhere. But he linked up with Aquila and Priscilla, like-minded people. Amen. So Paul did not feel that in Corinth, he, he got there and he found his people and he thought, these are good people to have. We need to have good people come alongside us. Oh, glory to God. I say we need to have good people come alongside us. And we need to pray that God gives us vision to discern who are the people. We need to be very discerning as to who come alongside us. Because if we are linked and joined to the wrong people, we may not fulfill the mission. So we must pray for discernment along this Christian pathway on life's journey. We need to be discerning of the people that God has put around us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
because you don't want anybody coming alongside you who is going to who is going to try and and stop the work and the progress of God in your life amen because when you feel like giving up you want somebody there who's going to say keep going Keep going. Keep going. Are you listening? You want somebody there who 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 is going to be there pushing you, saying you can make it, you can do it. You want encouragers along the journey. And what I'm preaching this morning may sound very simple and simplistic, but we need encouragers along the journey. So he found people who were like-minded. You remember? This was not even written in my notes, but has it come to mind? Let me say it. You remember uh, when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall? And you had some little, some little bad mind people. <laughs> oh, glory to God. There, I said, wake up. Don't even sleep in this service today. They had some little bad mind people hanging around somewhere. You know, those little bad mind people. And they watched him as he progressed and was building the wall. And that little, them little Sanballat and Tobiah and some other people around there. And they, when they saw when the wall got to certain space, they were saying, oh, let us come and help you build the wall. What they wanted to do was to come and delay. Oh, glory to God. You don't want nobody on your journey who is going to cause a delay. You want people on the journey of your Christian journey who is going to push you forward, not to delay your progress. Glory to God. So you don't want them little Bad mind, people. Oh, let's hope those who are online understand what I'm saying. Oh, glory to God. (laughs) Those little envious people. And they're just looking on to see your demise. To see the progress of God stop in your life. Be very discerning of the people. Thank you, but no thank you. When you, when God gives you a discerning spirit, Jesus had how many disciples, Bishop King? But when he wanted to do certain things, he didn't take all 12. He just, he had a selective three. When he wanted to go up into the mountain, Lord of mercy, to be transfigured, for God to send his approval upon him. And when he wanted to go up into that mountain where he was transfigured, he only took three so they could see the glory of God. Hallelujah. There are some people... There are some people who will be the glory viewers in your life. I call them the glory viewers. They will see the manifestation of God in your life. But there are some people who will only see the negative. And if, and if they can only point out the negative. Lord, where have I gone with your, with your message? If they can only point out the negative. Every day they are telling you what's wrong. But not one day can they say to you, congratulations in doing this right. You've got this right. They can only tell you what you've got wrong. They can only tell you what you've done wrong. But they can never say to you, look here. Thank you for that. 
You've done this good. Walk away. Thank you, but no, thank you. I need people who can tell me when I'm right and people who will tell me when I've done wrong. So they linked up with the right people. He linked up with the right people. And let me say to the church, we are not isolationists. So those of us who think we can make it by ourselves, let me remind us, we are not isolationists, but we are to function as part of the body of Christ. Paul knew how to connect. Paul knew how to connect. We, we are not isolationists. There are people who tell me, oh, we, 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 we don't need to go to church. We don't need to do this. We can do it by ourselves. And let me say to us, some of us are not well enough to come out of church, but stop using the pandemic as an excuse <laughs> to stay at home. You go to, to town. You go to your family in London. You catch, <laughs> Lord of mercy, you can't put, you can't put this on podcast. <laughs> you go to town, me, me even see you in Birmingham in Bullring. <laughs> you can't have Brixton Market, <laughs> but you can't come to church in Wolverhampton because of pandemic. The devil is a liar. Get out your house and come to the church and join fellowship with the believers. Because iron sharpened iron and that devil want you to stay at home locked in that four walls and you're telling me that oh I can I can watch service on TV or you know how some of those people live who are on TV you know how your pastor lives. Don't bother me in here, otherwise I will preach. We are not isolationists. We must function as a body. And Paul talks about the body in the book of Corinthians. He talks about, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether we are Jews, whether we are Greeks, whether we are Africans, whether we are Jamaican, whether you are American and Australian, whether you are Sudanese or wherever you come from, we are one body. Many parts, but one body. So we are not isolationists. Oh, glory to God. We must function as a body. Because if the whole body was an eye, can you imagine this morning, two eyes, Natasha is a big eye, and I'm a big eye, no hands, no, no. how would I get to Wolverhampton? There'd be no hand to drive the... <laughs> There'd be no hand, there'd be no foot to control anything down here, nothing. Oh, glory to God. So we are not isolationists if you don't remember anything. Because some of us think we are so special. And we are so different. That we cut ourselves off and isolate ourselves from the church and body life. Come out to prayer meeting. Come out to church service. Join in what the church is going on. 
It's very dangerous to see oneself as being exclusive. Dangerous. Because when the pressure of life and ministry come upon us, we will possibly falter and give up if we see ourselves as being exclusive. So he linked up. Then the second thing he did, he worked. Oh, what a good word. (laughs) He worked. He shared the same trade as Aquila and Priscilla. They were tent makers. Now there are a lot of discussions around what this tent making was. But I'm not here to go into that. Though he was raised a scholar, he was not a shirker. He worked. When was the last time you offered to do something around here? Don't answer. (laughs) He worked. It was customary for the Jews to give their children learning and a trade. And so he worked. Paul was entitled to maintenance, you know, from the church. He was entitled to it. He was entitled to maintenance from the church in Corinth that he had planted. But yet, on this occasion, he chose to work. He chose to work. Why did he choose to work? He chose to work probably because he didn't want to be a burden to the churches. So he says, I'm going to work. And then he also chose to work to undercut the accusations of ulterior motives by preaching the gospel free of charge. He says, on this occasion here, I'm going to preach the gospel free of charge so that people can't accuse me of ripping off the people and just have an expectation to receive money. I don't want to be a burden to the church. Now, there is nothing wrong in what we do by supporting because the scripture gives support to that. Supporting those who labor and work amongst us. But Paul says on this, he he says on this occasion, you know, this Corinth where I'm at, he just viewed the landscape and said, you know what? I better just work. In this 2023, and even before 2023, I'm viewing and considering seriously some of the things we do And those who are people who are ministers of the gospel. We seem to have developed a sense of entitlement. Lord have mercy. Have I ruined your teaching? We have developed a sense of entitlement. We feel so entitled that people have to carry Bible. People have to carry notepad. People have to carry handbag. And we put pressure on churches when we go, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. We have such a sense of entitlement. Why on earth would I want to come to Wolverhampton surrounded with 20 people behind me? An entourage. And we feel important. When we have a big entourage, I'm happy just having my goddaughter driving me here and I can sit and, and, and meditate and I'm in peace. I don't have another 20 people worrying about this morning. 
I'm just happy. Paul, with this sense of entitlement, the man says, I'm going to work. Hallelujah. And God has called us to a ministry where we work for him. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're feeling in distress sometimes and in despair, and probably it's because your hands are a little bit too free. Find something to do in the kingdom of God. Amen. Get employed. Get busy in the kingdom of God. So he worked and he linked up with other people. Then he preached a consistent message. This is where I'm getting serious now. He preached a consistent message. The message that Paul brought to Corinth, he didn't change it. To fit in with the people of Corinth and their practices. He preached a consistent message. A message must be consistent. Amen. Hallelujah. Every Sabbath. Every Sabbath day. Paul could be found in the synagogue. Because he was devoted to the same message. He wasn't changing it. To fit in. We are changing to fit in with the society in which we live. He wasn't going to dilute it to fit in and be accepted by people. He didn't do it by violence or by force, but by fair arguing. He presented the gospel by fair arguing. And when Luke mentioned in verse 4, of chapter 18 that he persuaded people he was referring to the urgency of the preaching and his persistent Paul was consistent brothers and sisters our message in 2023 in Wolverhampton and wherever we are must be consistent hallelujah our message must be consistent the church is coming on pressure to conform oh glory to God I said the church is coming under pressure to conform to the world to conform and when I talk about the world I'm talking about the system of the world we are coming under pressure to conform soon and very soon we may not be even to to preach and say certain things in, in, in the pulpits that God has called us To preach from and to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because pressure is coming on the the church to, to conform to certain things. But I'm telling the church today, do not conform to the world. Don't give in. When you feel like giving up and changing your mind about the gospel, don't do it. Stick to what you know is the gospel of Christ. Because the Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. Stick to what the word of God says. And don't conform to the world just to fit in. Don't conform just to get charity money. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are expected to conform to the world. Just to to, uh, uh, charities, local authorities are withholding funding. Because if you don't embrace certain things, they won't give you 
money to do certain things in the community for the very people that they are trying to reach. Well, I'm telling them my father is rich. His houses and land. He holds the wealth of the world in his hand. He has rubies. He has diamond. He has silver. He has gold. Keep your money. My father is rich. And I'm not conforming. I'm not backing down. I don't hate anybody because I hold gospel principles. I don't hate them. I just don't love what them do. Jesus have mercy. And we've got a system these days that from your children at early age, you know, people are telling me that I need to be politically correct. Listen to me, I try my best. But sometimes I can't help it. You have your children going to school. These children are six and seven. And then you have people, them little demons in them school, letting the children think, you need a male, you know, female. You f- what? what them call it? Gender neutral. What, what goes so? Glory to God. What is that? You're gender neutral. So you can, today you wake up, you can be a boy. Tomorrow you wake up, you can be a girl. The next day you wake up, you're in between. The devil is a liar. From the day I know myself, I'm a girl. And when I die, I will be a girl. And I don't care what anybody say, I'm a girl. Oh, glory to God. And so they're putting these things in our children's psyche. And the church sit down and we're afraid to talk. We are not challenging anything. Oh, mighty God. So when you feel like giving up, think about Paul. He was not afraid of their immorality and their decadence. In Corinth, he was not afraid of their wealth. Some of us, when we see a little money, we we get frightened and we want to change our teaching and we want to change our doctrine. I ain't changing it for nobody. I'm holding on to the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah! He preached a consistent gospel, challenging Corinth. He says, I'm not giving up. You could be bad until you're bad. I'm not giving up. And they rejected him. They rejected him for it. But did he care? Did he care? Did he go home and sulk? No. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. He didn't, he didn't go home and sulk. When we're rejected for what we believe and for the life that God has called us to, don't go home and sulk. Don't give in. He made a very audacious move. Boy, this guy was serious. He made an audacious move. He, he, he went from the synagogue. He says, you're not accepting what I'm teaching. Well, you carry on. So he moved from synagogue and he went to somebody's house. 
He went into the home of a Gentile and presented the gospel. Amen. And what happened? The church grew. Set back some men to discourage, but use them as stepping stones. The setback he faced in his synagogue, he used it as a stepping stone. He moved away from there and went to the home of a Gentile man. And there he started teaching. And it was fertile ground for the gospel. So when you feel like giving up, <laughs> you probably just need to move from where you are. Oh, glory. To, I don't mean leave Wolverhampton Church. <laughs> That's not what I'm telling you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> move from your place of discouragement. Hallelujah. That's what I'm trying to say. Move from your place of discouragement into a place where growth can take place. Because sometimes when you're at when you're at the same place, sometimes for too long, you know, you get taken for granted. And if discouragement, if you ever let discouragement hold you, you will never move. I'm wrapping this up. You'll never move. And in the midst of all of that, Paul had a divine visitation. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. In the midst of the rejection and the moving to the home of this Gentile man, he had a divine visitation. When you feel like giving up weight on the Lord, be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say unto the Lord. I say, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. The Bible says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Oh, glory to God. I'm bringing this in because, you know, the eagle, when, when it gets to a certain point in life, when it's lived long enough and get old, the beak can't manage, can't pick up anything. And then he loses feathers and then his talons, his claws get really long. And so all of that has to fall out so that he can get new, new beak. Lord of mercy, somebody's going to get a new beak. Oh, glory to God. You're going to eat again. You're going to peck again. Somebody's going to grow feathers again. Somebody's going to grow talons again. You're going to be able to grasp the word of God again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord. And so the eagle changes and changes all these things. And it's, it's like he's getting a new life. And do you know what happened? When that eagle is in that state, I don't know why I've gone down this road today. When that eagle is in that state of flux where it can't eat because of the beak protruding, because of the talons that it can't use anymore, because they're so long and the feathers gone, it's a state of embarrassment. They are the eagles come and bring food. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I said the other eagles will come and help out that eagle. I wonder if you are the other eagle today. I wonder if you are the other eagle. 
Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And so we had a visitation. Let me bring it in and close. Verse 9 and 10 outline how the encounter happened. In the visitation, there was a prohibition. Do not be afraid. That's the prohibition. He had a vision of Jesus. Said, do not be afraid. I'm saying to somebody today, don't be afraid of the struggles you're facing. Don't be afraid. Stand with me, please. Because if I don't let you stand, I may carry on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. What you're afraid of? Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Are you afraid that you're going to lose you, lose your health? Are you afraid that you're going to lose your friends? Are you afraid that you're going to lose your employment? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Because that devil, he brings fear upon us and causes us to be afraid. And so instead of walking in victory and power, we are walking in fear. We are frightful every day. And everything, your nerves, you're jumpy. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. You're just jumpy as, as soon if, if something just breeze blow. You jump. You, your nerves are afraid. Oh, hallelujah. But do not be afraid. Paul was facing one of his most difficult moments. They brought him before the, the pro council, but he had the vision before. Do not be afraid. I'm saying to somebody in Wolverhampton and somebody online, do not be afraid. The struggles you're going through will pass. Don't be afraid. Not only that, there was not only the prohibition, there was a promise. I am with you. So you had the prohibition. Don't be afraid. Then you had a promise. I am with you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory, I am with you. I don't know who you're standing beside today. I don't know what you're facing. You may feel all alone. You may feel that you're walking by yourself. But the promise of God is, I am with you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when you walk through the flood, you won't drown. When you go through the fire, Sister Hashanah, you will not be burned. When you're in the valley, I am with you. When you're climbing the mountain, I am with you. Oh, hallelujah. Because my rod and my staff, they comfort you. Surely. I said, surely, surely, say, surely, shout it again, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. I said, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm standing on a surely today. I say I'm standing on a surely. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing on the rock of ages. I'm standing on the foundation. I'm standing 
standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wonder if I can rock this home. I'm with you. Some of you feel rejected. Some of you feel that you've served the church for so long and nobody remembers. You've served the church for so long and sometimes people don't even remember to give you a phone call. Let me remind you that the pastor is not your source. Jesus I am with you I'm with you in your midnight I'm with you in the darkness I'm with you when the doctor gives a bad diagnosis and tells you the prognosis I'm with you when you can't pay your mortgage I'm with you when you get rejected in the workplace I'm with you when your spouse walk out I'm with you. I'm with you. And some of us are so misunderstood by the church. Some of us, you know, where we've come from, church, you know, traditional church don't understand us. And sometimes we feel all alone. But Jesus says, I'm with you. I am with you. So he had the prohibition. He had the promise. Oh, glory to God. And then he had the prospect of success. Oh, God. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Because I'm with you. Then he had the prospect of success. So he had the three Ps. Prohibition, promise, prospect. What did he say? I have many people. Oh, glory to God. Never mind them few people over there in the synagogue who think that they've got the monopoly on the law. He says, I've got many people in this city. So when you feel you're all alone, I've got many people. Success is coming. Say success is coming. Lord of mercy, you know, talk it like you need it. I say success is coming. Hallelujah. I've had enough failure. I've had enough rejection. Success. Glory. I'm prophesying success. Oh, hallelujah. I shut down the tongues of the naysayer in your life. And the people who tell you, you would never make it. You know, there are those people who tell you you wouldn't make it. You're not coming to nothing. You're not going to achieve nothing. Your life is just going to end up up a blind alley, up a cul-de-sac. Well, even up there, God, God has a way of bulldozing cul-de-sac and making ways. When there is no way, you're going to have success. I'm telling the church in Wolverhampton today that you're going to have success. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You're going to have success. Hallelujah. Success is yours if you don't give up. The only way you don't succeed is if you give up. 
Jesus of mercy. Oh, glory to God. So upon receiving this encouragement from the Lord, Paul says, this seems like a good place to stay. You stay another year and six months. <laughs> oh, glory to God. You must know when to move and when to steer. He moved from the synagogue because he wasn't having the results that he wanted. So he moved to the house of the Gentiles. You must know when to move and you must know when to say. That's why I'm saying you need to be discerning because there are some company we keep that we need to move away from those people. And when God, when he moved to the house of that man, he had good success. You're going to have success. I am prophesying it over you today. Whether you are in this house or online, you're going to have good success. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So when you feel like giving up, consider Paul and what he went through. And when he went to Ephesus and other places, he had some real struggles and some real opposition, but that's for other people to bring out. But here in Corinth, a place of decadence, you can live in a place like that where everybody's doing wrong. But by God's grace, you're going to continue being the light and the salt that God wants you to be. Good success. Is there anybody in this house today who wants to be amongst the band of the successful people? Where God is saying to you, don't be afraid. Some people may even think, I can't make a commitment to follow Jesus. I love the church. I will come, but I can't make a commitment to follow Jesus because I've got to give up that and I've got to give up this. God wants you first. Then all the give up start after. <laughs> Don't worry about what you have to give up. <laughs> oh, glory to God. God wants you first. Then all the other give up can. And sometimes it may even take a year to give up. <laughs> because some of us, have pulled wolves over people's eyes and made them think that the minute we come to Jesus, everything was so hunky-dory. Everything was not so hunky-dory. Some of us were still sneaking off, go do things we know we shouldn't do. Let me talk it. And so, we have allowed people to think that it is so impossible to serve Jesus. He has not called us to a life of sinfulness, but a life freed from sin. But it's by the Spirit of God who lives in us that we develop and grow. So our first commitment is just to come to Jesus. And when we come to him and say, well, look, Lord, I've tried it my way all my life, so let's do it your way now. I'm giving myself to you. You just do what you want with me. So if you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord today, it's a good opportunity today. And don't give up this opportunity. This is a good opportunity. Look how God allowed you to be here today, looking so bright and radiant. And even if you're online, you can still make a commitment to follow Jesus. So anybody want to follow Jesus, just stick your hand up. Anybody in this place? Yes, somebody has. Yes, come on down. Praise God. Come on down. Come on down here. Come on down. Those who have put their hands up, come on down. I'm telling you. Anybody else? 
Look at this nice gentleman who's come down. Yes, another nice gentleman coming. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Come on down. Anybody else? Lord of mercy, come on down. Come and help this brother here. Come and help him. What a beautiful sight in Wolverhampton today. What a beautiful sight. People walking the aisles, coming down to Jesus. In faith, don't stay away. And the devil, when you leave here today, is going to tell you, you've made a mistake. You don't make no mistake. He's a lie. He's a liar. You've not made a mistake. And God didn't expect you to be perfect to come. He just says, come. He says, come unto me, all those who labor and are heavy laden. Labor, those who are struggling with with sin in their life, those who are struggling with wrongdoings in their life. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He's a rest giver. So he says, come. So irrespective of how you are, he says, come. And that's what the gospel simple is about coming unto Jesus with all that you are all your struggles all your bangarang you won't understand that word he will bring all of it and come to Jesus everything just bring it come and say Lord I come and I come with everything he's explaining what bangarang is <laughs> somebody need to explain it to the man line <laughs> Everything that you are, everything that you have, every struggle that you have, just bring it to me. Don't try to make it right before you come. He says, come. And he says, when you come, I will handle. I will help you handle all of it. So you don't have to make it right to come. That's the mistake we make. We've got to be perfect to come. No, you don't have to be perfect. You come as you are. He said, all who are labored and are heavy laden. Heavy laden with what? The burden of sin. He said, come to me. So, say after me. So, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I accept the forgiveness that your death brings. And today, I commit my life solely to you. Do with me what is your pleasure. I am willing to walk by your word and to trust you completely with my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Come on, brothers and sisters, give God thanks. Give God thanks. 